0: We hope these next few moments encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you to be who God has created you to be. We hope you enjoy it. Well, good morning. All right. I mean, it's 11 a.m. I've already had my Red Bull, so we're going to try that one more time. Good morning. morning. I love it. Love it. Love it. That's my type of people. I'm I'm a back type of guy. So the more you talk back to me, the shorter I preach. Sound good? Sound good? Yeah, hey, there you go. See? Um, So like Nick said, my name is Kyle. Uh, I I do lead the church called The Story, and it's not that far away from here. What's interesting is the story actually was birthed out of Frontline uh, a few years ago, not that long ago. So I took over about three years ago, and I am so grateful for the Zero Collective, for Brian and his leadership, and just sitting around with the other leaders in the Zero Collective and being a part of it right now. And so, uh, like Nick said, I wanna introduce kind of my family. And so, uh, this is a picture of us. Personally, I think we are the cutest, most adorable family in the world. Not biased at all. Uh, But as you can see, I got two little boys, and uh, I wanna introduce you to them. The first one, four-year-old. this is, this is the man, the myth, the legend. This is my, my dude, my, my boy, uh, Kendrick Lamar. I'm not joking. I love this dude. He, is, he does everything with me, everything with me. He's my little homie. Um, and my little homie, he is 10 and a half months younger than Kendrick. This is Cashin Adoris. He is, uh, he is my little football player, um, clearly my football player. And everything for Cashin is all about... How fast can we run, and how many people can we tackle? It's a blast. It's a blast. Uh, there is also, we have one more child that we are fostering right now, so you're not going to see a picture of, of her, but it is our boys' uh, little sister. And so she's three months old, and um, my house is chaos. <laughs> and it's awesome most of the time. And, and so as I reflect on my family... I just got to be very honest with you. My family and the way it looks is not the way I would have wrote up the plot or the mission for my family. Very honest. If you would have asked me how, like, dreaming of family and everything, I, I probably would have wrote the white picket fence, two golden retrievers. You know, like, the picture perfect, everything goes as planned, everything's easy, right? But I had my plot, my mission of my family. I was trying to tell the story badly or horribly wrong. I got it wrong. And I'm so thankful that God got it right. I'm so thankful I got my two little boys. They are um, just little Tasmanian devils uh, who run around and just absolutely have so much energy. And it's a blast every single day with them. And as I was thinking about my family and how my plot didn't match up with what I thought God's plot was, it got me thinking about sometimes we share uh, this, this idea of what is our mission, what is our plot, and sometimes we maybe speak about it and we get it wrong, or maybe we tell it badly. Have you guys ever heard this phrase of, explain a movie, but badly? For example, I'm going to share this plot, and it's going to be explained badly, and then you're going to see a picture. Let's see if you can guess it. The first one, a group spends nine hours returning a piece of jewelry. Many of us would know it as the Lord of the Rings. Right? Right? Or what about this one? This is one of my personal favorites. A guy learns to love a girl without any Instagram filters. Huge favorite, love it, Shrek. Come on, right? Okay, okay, here's a, a few more. Everyone tries the Ice Bucket Challenge. Ah, oh, it's the Titanic. Come on, right? Uh, what about Leonardo DiCaprio, Wanders a Frozen Wasteland in Search of an Oscar? The Revenant. For those of you who are movie buffs, it is one of the, the only movies that Leo has actually won an Oscar for and it took him a long time. The last one, another personal childhood favorite, a princess gets catfished. It's Aladdin, Aladdin. (laughs) Aladdin is not who he says he was. How many times though have we got the plot explained to us or maybe we've explained it badly? Can I just be very honest with us? Have we done this in our marriages? Have we done this in our marriages? Have we explained the plot or the mission of our marriages and have we maybe missed the point? Have we maybe tried to explain the plot and yet did it badly? You see, there may be some of us in the room today or watching online that maybe we have tried to explain the plot and, or the mission and we've totally missed the mark. We totally got the mission or the plot wrong. There may be some of us, even in this room or on, on our couch today, that as we try to explain the mission, we've totally lost sight of it. We've drifted away. And there's even some of us who didn't even know there was a mission for marriage. A few weeks ago, my wife and I we were at a, a gathering of some friends, and I was playing darts. Anybody play darts here? I'm not very good, but I'm playing with this buddy of mine and as I'm about to throw my last dart, I'm like, this is it, I'm gonna hit the bullseye, game over, I win, I like winning. And I'm about to throw my last dart, as I'm about right here, about to release it, he just simply says, hey Kyle, can I tell you what my wife said to me the other night as we were going to bed and I totally miss the board and hit the drywall. I'm like, bro, listen, I don't ever want to have that conversation. And he's like, no, 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 not that, not that conversation, Kyle. That's whatever. He said, but she leaned over the other night, and I knew something was off. I knew something was wrong. And she just looked at me and she goes, Something's off in our marriage. Do you feel it too? He said as he rolled over and he turned on his light, Yeah, something's been off. So, what do we do? And that night, they decided that they're going to start to read a chapter of the Bible each and every night together, and they're going to read it, and then they're going to discuss what God is showing them, and then they're going to pray for each other and with each other every single night. He started to share that these past three weeks has been some of the most deep and intimate moments in their marriage. He said that they have felt more connected as a couple and as a family than they've ever felt before. He said that his relationship with Jesus himself personally has been so much deeper and personal and intimate than it's ever been in his life. All because somebody had a moment an opportunity that they just asked, something is off. Do you feel it too? I think there's probably a lot of us that can identify with that. The story of the church that I pastor at, there's a lot of people who show up on Sunday morning, week in, week out, and their husband doesn't join them. The husband has no intention, no desire for this church thing. There's also people who show up who the wife is at home, and he brings the kids, and he shows up. There's many people in my congregation who have looked at me in the eye and say, I just don't know what to do with my marriage anymore. We've lost sight of it somewhere down the line. And I think if we are going to look ahead at our marriages, if we're going to look internally at our marriages, we have to be very clear that there is a mission for our marriages. There's a mission for our marriages. And Paul writes about it, and he's very clear about it. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians 5, uh, 25 through 30. This is what he says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as, if you have a physical Bible with you, if maybe you're sitting at home, would you highlight, circle, underline, whatever you want to do to that simple two-letter word, as, as their own bodies, Because he who loves his wife loves himself. And after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. See, simply put, the mission of marriage is to help my spouse become more like Jesus. Simply put, the mission of marriage is to help my spouse become more like Jesus. My goal as a husband is to point my wife back to Jesus. That's my goal. That's my mission. My goal as a husband is to point her directly back to Jesus. Her goal as a wife is to point me directly back to Jesus. Our goal in our marriage together is to love Jesus more and more and to become like him more and more. It's never about us. Paul is very clear here, and he's painting this picture, this beautiful picture of of a husband and wife And we have to understand this beautiful picture. It's not just a picture of of Adam and Eve or a man and a woman. No, 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 no. It's a beautiful picture of Christ, the groom, in all of his prestige, cleaned up, nice looking, shoes polished, essentially groom. And the beautiful picture of the bride, the church, the beauty of her white dress, the flowers, the veil, The elegance that flows from her. But can we be honest for a a, a hot second here? There's a moment where we have to internally look and understand that Christ in all the glory and the groom that he is came for a bride. And unfortunately, the bride, the church, we have dinged her up a little bit and tainted and and made her a little bit more muddy than what she ever should have been. Amen? Amen? Our world and culture has really looked at the church and doesn't see something of beauty, but rather sees a whole bunch of other stuff. And it's really sad. And all the brokenness and all the divisiveness and all the tension. Could you imagine what would have happened if the groom would have said, yo, (laughs) yo. She doesn't look like the way she should. I'm out. Instead, Tim Keller puts it this way. Tim Keller writes this way. When Jesus looked down from the cross, he didn't think, I'm giving myself to you because you are so attractive to me. No, he was in agony. And he looked down at us, the church, denying him, abandoning him, betraying him. And in the greatest act of love in history, He stayed. He loved us not because we were lovely to him, but to make us lovely. And so that's why I will love my spouse. That's why I will love my spouse. See, verse 28, when I told you to circle that simple word, it's a it's a very simple but yet profound word in the scripture. It's pivotal. Because Paul doesn't write here that you must love your wife like or similar to or sort of, kind of, like your body. No, he says you love your wife as your own body, as your own body. You love your wife because she is yours and you are hers. It's this essence of oneness. Somebody say oneness. Oneness. It's this essence of you and me are now one together. We are leaving our fathers and mothers and we are clinging and cleaving together. We are one. And Christ loved the church because he was one with her. This is the beautiful picture woven throughout all of scripture. It's this beautiful picture of Christ loving the church deeply as he could love himself. The mission of marriage is very simple. It's to help our spouse love Jesus more than they could even love us. The best way to put this is is this. Our mission in marriage is to become more like Christ. My mission as a husband in my marriage is to become more like Christ. Because when I become more like him, I love my wife deeper than I could do it on my own. And when she becomes more like him, she loves me and our family deeper than she could on her own. Our mission is simple. Become more and more like Christ. Because when we love and live as Christ, we live out of this agape love, this deep love, a love that is not about what do I get in return, a love that is not about what what do I receive from this. It's not self-seeking. It's a love that is sacrificial. It's a love that is all about denying yourself and serving one another. And I truly believe that if we neglect to point to Christ's love, we neglect to live His love. I remember so often the days where I was dating um, my wife. And it was, there are was some of those first few weeks or months where we were kind of hanging out, and it was that moment, maybe you can identify with this, where you're like, I mean, I kind of like her, but like, I don't know if she kind of likes me or does she really like me? Do I really like her? I don't really know what we are. Like we're hanging out and this is all cool. It's that moment where you have to define the relationship. It's that moment where you don't know where the other person is, but yet neither one of you are like brave enough to actually say, yo, I kind of actually like you. We should do this thing. Right? And it's so interesting because there's for some of us in this relationship, even in our marriages, we still have no idea where the other one is. That's an issue. And what's so incredible to me is that over these years, I've been married to my wife for eight years now and we dated for three years before that. I was a little slow on the whole proposal thing, whatever. But we've been together for like 11 years, it's been good. It's been really good, actually. And here's what's intriguing. As we journey together in our relationship, we start to develop this spiritual friendship. A spiritual friendship that is rooted deeply. Not on, not on the common interests or the common fun things that we like to do, but rather a spiritual friendship is this friendship that lays a foundation of chasing after Jesus together. And I think that spiritual friendship has to be the foundation of any godly marriage. We have to have a spiritual friendship in our marriages that we are commonly chasing after a common horizon, a common goal, the throne of Jesus. It's a deep oneness that develops, a deep oneness that over time as two people journey together and grow together, they start to see Jesus working intricately in the big things and minor things of the life. It's this deep oneness, this deep moment that you're in a constant relationship. How does that happen, though? It takes consistency. It takes transparency. It takes intentionality. But can you imagine the day Where we stand in all of God's glory. And you're standing there and you see your spouse standing before the glory of God too. And you reflect on those moments where you saw glimpses, moments. Little things that Jesus was working and coming through in their life. And you remember those moments where you caught the glimpse here on earth. But now that you're standing in all of the glory and all of the beauty and all of the creation is singing the praises of the most high. And you get to look at him and her and you get to say, man, you were glorious and beautiful then, but you now, wow. Can you imagine when we begin to chase after God together, what happens in our lives the transformation, the radical shift in our lives that begins to take place because we're chasing after God. Verse 30, it says that we are members of his body. We are members of his body. Paul's bringing this analogy all the way back. Jesus in the church, husband and wife. Again, he's talking about oneness. Somebody say oneness. There's this moment, oneness, God is with us. We are with him, this John 15 relationship where we are abiding in him. Everything we do flows through him, flows in and through and out of him. A man has to leave his father and mother to be one with his wife. Jesus left The most high heaven to come get his hands dirty in the muck of life to be one with his bride and to call her to himself oneness we are we have to be chasing after something in our marriages it's a simple question what are you chasing after what are you chasing after in your marriage What are we chasing after? If I'm chasing after the things of me and what I want in my marriage and the things that bring me glory in my marriage, it's going to fail. If it's only about me or if it would only be about my wife, Courtney, it will fail. What are we chasing after in our marriages? Because if it's not the things of the eternal, if it's not the things of heaven and all of his glory and all of God's love, we are missing a radical and major point in our marriages, amen? Y'all, that's a huge opportunity for us to understand that God came to love us deeply to chase after Him. And we have to get it right. We have to get it right. Because the mission in our marriage is to help our spouses love Jesus more. It's a sanctifying mission, it's a sanctifying mission that helps us cultivate His character in one another. To put it very simply, Our mission is to become more like him and not stay where we are. Our mission is to not stay where we are. It's to become more like him. I don't ever want to get content in my marriage. I don't ever want to be content in staying where we are. I don't want to get content in leading my church. I don't want to stay where we are. I don't want to get content in parenting my boys and stay where we are. I don't want to get content and stay where I am. I want to be on the move pursuing Jesus each and every day. And it's a sanctifying moment. Because when his love, when Jesus' love, his wisdom and greatness are formed deep within each and every one of us, we begin to reflect him to the core. Can you imagine what it would look like when the world looks at us and our marriages and they see something different? They say, something's different in your marriage than it is in mine. What is it? When we understand that the mission of marriage is to help my spouse love Jesus more and more, and for us to become like him more and more, everything else points back to him. Everything else. We submit, and we surrender, and we sacrifice all because we point back to him. I shared with you guys that we, um, we have a three-month-old foster right now. Um, <clears throat> can I just be honest? I still remember the phone call that we got to bring baby girl into our house. I was preparing to go to a softball game. And they called, and they're like, Hey, we have a three-month-old. Um, would you guys take her? And she's, she's the sister to our boys. And, you know, and so my, my first reaction guilty was, uh, we're out of diapers. My boys are potty trained. The light at the end of the tunnel is near. I'm pretty sure I was like, yo, you got to call my wife. I'm heading out to a softball game. And then when, they, when Courtney and I talked about it and, and when they kind of talked with her about it, her first reaction was absolutely when she's coming. I'm like, yo, time, hold up. We don't have anything. We had two boys. We don't have barrettes, headbands, pink onesie. We don't have that. But here's what's so interesting, and God works in so many mysterious and beautiful ways. Um, I truly believe this. I truly believe that my wife reflects the heart of the father. (laughs) My wife reflects the heart of the father. There's a need, we can meet it. There's a child who needs a home, we'll open up our doors. I remember the conversation. Of course, I'm, I'm nervous about this. She's like, I know but like, he will be okay. We have an opportunity to, to love another child. We have an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You see, for us, writing that plot, part of that was I would never write in my own plot that we struggled with infertility for six years but God said, I got a plan. And now I got two of the most amazing young boys in my house. And I got this three-month-old little baby girl who is just a ball of beauty and love. And she's also the calm child of all three of them, which is a blessing. She sleeps through the night. Oh, praise Jesus. There's this moment though, where we have an opportunity. We've Living in this opportunity where I had to submit and sacrifice some of my own ideals and ideas of what I wanted in my life to what God was writing. What are we chasing after? If we're chasing after his mission and his vision for our lives, then that means each and every one of us as spouses submit and sacrifice for the glory of God. And I know for a lot of us sitting here today, you may be asking, so what does that look like? How do I do that? What's the practical way of doing this, Kyle? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to share it with you. Here's what I would suggest. Practice spiritual friendship. Practice spiritual friendship. Practice moments where you are commonly and jointly pursuing Jesus together. Practice friendship where you are walking with each other, blessing each other, encouraging each other, loving on each other, calling out where you see Jesus in each other's lives. It's that oneness, common goal, common horizon, the throne of Jesus that you are jointly pursuing. Spiritual friendship. The other one is this pray for your spouse. Pray for your spouse. And here's what I mean by that. In our world and our culture, we have the tendency when I talk about praying for your spouse to be like, all right, I got that. I know how to do that, right? Like, Jesus, help them to listen to me so that I can go do this, right? But come on, right? (laughs) I mean, guilty confession, I've done that. Like, Lord open up Courtney's eyes and ears to let me play softball more nights of the week. I'd love to do that. But God puts a heart check on me and he's like, yo, you're wrong. I'm like, okay. So when I say pray for them, it's, it's literally this moment of, Lord, would you speak deeply to their soul? Whatever you're speaking to them, Lord, would you just give me the opportunity and the moments even to maybe confirm it? Whatever is going on right now, Lord, I want to pray for them. I want to lift them up to you. You pray for their situations. You pray for their moments. You pray for protection. But this last one, pray over them. Lord, would you continue to reflect your heart through my wife? Would you continue to show me what it looks like to serve and to love deeply like you love me? Because I see that when I see her. You pray over them in in the callings, in the mission, in the vision that God is placing upon their lives. You speak truth over them. You speak value over them. You speak worthiness over them. You speak his truth, his word, his scripture over them. You pray over them. And I don't wanna miss this opportunity this morning Maybe you're sitting here today and your spouse is right next to you. Maybe you're sitting here today and your spouse is still at home. Maybe you're sitting here today and your spouse is at a totally different house and you don't know what's gonna happen in your marriage. I just wanna invite you in this next moment to just receive this prayer and and maybe this prayer over you and blessing over you. If your spouse is next to you, I want to I ask you to do something. I want to ask you to maybe grab their hand, maybe put your arm around them. If you're at home sitting on the couch next to each other, I want to invite you to scoot uncomfortably close to them. And as I pray, I just want to invite you to pray over your spouse. Whatever God is leading on your heart to pray over them, would you just trust it and would you just speak it and pray it? I truly believe God wants to do something dynamic in our marriages. I truly believe he wants to change the atmosphere. And it starts in the home. So would you just join me in prayer? Father, you are a good God. You are a God who listens to our prayers. You are a God who hears our deepest cries. You are a God who knows the The most innermost parts of us so father as we just sit here with our hands wide open with our hearts wide open our ears open lord i pray that right now that you would start to just breathe your spirit upon us in the name of jesus father i pray for marriages right now that have no idea where it's going to go i pray for those marriages right now that seems dead lifeless that there's nothing left in this, and I'm thrown in the white towel. Father, I pray your spirit, I pray your love into those marriages. In the name of Jesus, we, we ask that you would infuse your love, your glory, your presence, your spirit into that marriage, Lord. What was once dead is now alive. We pray for new life in marriages today, Lord in the marriages where hurdles are being faced and and battles are being fought on the daily, I pray right now victory over those battles. I pray in your name that you would remove barriers, that you would remove brokenness and, and shame and guilt and whatever broken hidden sins that we have been carrying around for far too long. I pray your light to expose those and that we would walk in your truth, walk in your glory, walk in your presence once again. And Father, I pray in those marriages right now that are thriving the marriages that are just seeing your glory day in and day out god i pray that you would provide another couple to follow and walk with them lord that they can join hands with and say let's pursue jesus together that they would show younger couples what it looks like to point back to you to love you deeply as they love each other and our goal is to pursue you lord So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would renew in us a new spirit, a new life, a new love, all for your glory. Make us more like you, Lord. Refine us, purify us, bring us through whatever we are going through, Lord. We know your righteous right hand reaches down and lifts us out of the pit. And, Father, I pray that we would abide in you as you abide in us, draw close to you as you have drawn closer to us. In the name of Jesus, we claim victory today, Lord, over broken marriages, broken relationships. And I ask that you draw us closer and closer to you, Lord. Let's reflect you in everything we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.